Welcome to MedSider, where you can learn from a mix of experienced medical device and medtech experts. These proven mentors will show you how to master the medtech space on your own terms without going to school. Now, here's your host, Scott Nelson. As the world of healthcare continues to change and evolve, hospitals and healthcare providers are facing a major dilemma. There will continue to be an increasing number of patients that need healthcare, but the reimbursement for healthcare services will continue to decline. In other words, there will be more customers checking out, but less money coming through the cash register. Therefore, healthcare providers will be looking for solutions that are both substantial and sustainable. Message to medical device professionals. Do your products and solutions pass this S&S test? In this interview, Lars Thorting and Randall Rickner further explain the challenges that healthcare providers are facing and what type of solutions they are looking for. Lars is the VP of Marketing for Interline, while Randall is the VP of Advanced Analytics. Here are some of the points we're going to cover. What are the biggest challenges that healthcare providers are facing right now? Cost versus quality. What's more important and can you avoid the trade-off? How does Interline help healthcare providers control costs and improve the delivery of care? The impact of advanced analytics and intelligent care design on the delivery of care and cost containment. Advice from Lars and Randall on how medtech companies can best partner with providers in the new era of healthcare. Of course, we'll cover even more interesting insights in this interview, but before we dig in, you need to listen to this very brief Job message leads, from our sponsor. Opportunities to network, access to specialized groups, meaningful discussion and debate. Sound interesting? then you should check out the Medical Devices Group on LinkedIn. It's the industry's only spam-free, curated forum for intelligent conversations with medical device thought leaders. Not only that, but it's the single largest medical group on all of LinkedIn. Medical device professionals worldwide are invited to join the Medical Devices Group to help build their personal and corporate brands. Check it out, medicaldevicesgroup.net. Again, that's medicaldevicesgroup.net. Okay. For you ambitious med tech and medical device doers, here's your program. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of MedSider. This is your host, Scott Nelson. And uh, MedSider, for those of you listening for the first time, is the program where you can learn from proven med tech and medical device experts. And on today's program, we've got two guests. Uh, the first one being Lars Thording, who's the VP of Marketing and Public Affairs for Intraline. And then our second guest is Randall Rickner, who's a repeat performer. I guess for lack of a better description, and Randall is the executive VP of, of, a, uh, of Advanced Analytics for Intraline, and there's a recent uh, kind of that, and that's that's a recent change uh, on on Randall's behalf, um, and we'll certainly discuss that point. So, uh, without further ado, welcome to the call, uh, Lars and Randall. Thank you. Thank you. All right, let's start off. I'm going to give you give you both the opportunity to briefly introduce yourself, as well as um, Lars. You can cover. Um, um, give us a brief introduction uh, to Intraline, and then Randall, maybe you can speak to um, NeoCure and then the, the recent integration of Intraline and NeoCure. Sure, sounds good. Go ahead, Lars. Yep. Yeah, so Scott, um, Intraline was formed here uh, very recently on December 31st of last year, so we're a very young company. Um, we um, Our company that has come together um, as uh, various healthcare entrepreneurs across the, across the healthcare uh, spectrum that are um, all of us very engaged in trying to make conditions better for healthcare in general and for hospitals particularly. Um, so uh, what you'll find on the team at Interline are folks that, um, including myself, 
if I can be uh, so indiscreet, have been uh, making a mark in the healthcare industry very recently uh, through the work we've done with uh, Stryker Sustainability Solutions, formerly Ascent, um, the first reprocessing company in the United States that ended up having um, a major impact in the industry and still does. Um, saying goodbye to that challenge and taking on a new one, it was obvious to uh, those of us that left Stryker Sustainability Solutions that we wanted to focus on another area in healthcare where there's a great need to look at how do we reduce inefficiencies and create better opportunities for hospitals and, and healthcare providers in doing uh, what they ought to be doing, namely um, delivering the best care possible to our uh, patient population. And we're going to get, I'm sure, more into this later on, but we honed in on um, major joint um, replacement as a key area and, and insulin was sort of born out of the thought uh, that we could, could make an impact there. So. Um, Randall and others uh, joined us, um, and, and we formed Intuline um, at the end of the year last year. In terms of my own background, other than having worked at uh, establishing and building the first reprocessing, the first very successful and the biggest reprocessing company in the industry, um, I spent time as a uh, pharma consultant and uh, in academia uh, prior to that. Randall, your background is a lot more impressive than that, so I'll leave that you to fill in the space. Thank you, Lars. Uh, well, yes, I started Neocure uh, in 2006 from the from my previous role as a vice president at Boston Scientific. And our focus at Neocure was really to help new technologies and help technologies to understand the reimbursement and payment platform and opportunities and challenges uh, in the United States, looking at payment policy and where we could maximize price for technologies, um, how to present the value argument most effectively. And we, within that uh, role, we built uh, uh, a very strong data analytics capability uh, based on hospital data, cost data, uh, using you know a large number of, of survey databases to actually really help our clients to understand um, you know provider economics and hospital economics and where and how our technology technology really made an impact. Um, with when interline uh, executives approached us, it was a very interesting concept that uh, they had seen our data and were very um, impressed by that uh, and looking at how we could provide the analytics platform for this new company, which would be involved in analytics as well as intelligent care design and also a uh, physician assistant component to that. It was appealing to me from our background to be able to apply our analytics in a new way and a service delivery model for hospitals to really look at um, the impact of, of how you could change the dynamic of care using our analytic solutions. So for us, it was a, a great opportunity to work with some seasoned professionals. So um, And also looking at how the payment models are all changing where the hospitals are really going to have to be equipped to make a lot of hard decisions and, um, you know, we can provide a lot of that information to them. Gotcha. I, lo I love the idea that, um, uh, that you're so data and analytics focused. Because I think, Lars, if I remember correctly, doing some of this research for this, uh, for this interview, I think you were quoted as saying consultants, let me, I've got it in front of me here, consultants leave this big fat report and two weeks later, everything is back to normal. <laughs> I thought that was a great <laughs> quote because that's so, you know, I'm, uh, um, I've never, you know, operated under a consultant, a, a consultant uh, 
capacity, you know, within this space. But uh, it, that that quote rang true for me, and I, I I would imagine it's probably safe to say that using data and and analytics um, um, helps you uh, helps you kind of uh, bring life to some of the uh, processes and systems you're recommending hospitals uh, uh, utilize. Correct. Hey Scott, we went. This is. Uh, I want to jump in there real fast. We we spent a lot of time over the last year or so uh, going out there and talking with hospitals, talking with providers, and asking what are what are some of the pain points what, that that you have right now. We all know the challenges, and I'm sure we'll get back to that, Scott. Mm-hmm. But they all come back to us with the same kind of answer, and they're saying we're fed up with consultants that come in here, and they have some fantastic ideas, some great concepts that we that we know are relevant to us, but the impact does not stay with us, and it, 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 it's not substantial enough for us to, um, to make a real difference. They're, hospitals are facing very real problems um, about a bottom line that looks increasingly red and, and the lack of ability to control all the things that goes into creating that bottom line. So we have focused on from the beginning when designing this business to look at what can be a substantial and sustainable solution to hospitals. So two are, those are key words for us, and it's based... It's based on these conversations. We we went on a tour, Scott, basically, and, and we listened to. So, what are the what are the key what are the key pain points here? And, and Randall, you can pick this one up because I know you will. Um, one issue for hospitals is the issue of, of big data, right? There's just there's there's too much of it. There's a lot of it. There's a lot of data in the healthcare um, sector. Hospitals have a lot of data, but they don't have a great way of utilizing it to make the types of decisions that they have to make today which are almost entirely about how do we create efficiencies within this double pinch of increasing patient numbers and, and reduced reimbursement. So that's what Randall has, has, has charged on right now with her team, um, how, to, how to solve the problem of big data and on a, on a backdrop, again, of, of hospitals having these unique challenges. And, and we want to make it real. We don't want to make it a fancy consulting deal with a nice bow on it. We want to make it substantial and sustainable for hospitals. That's our ambition. Sure. That was the real beauty of this for me was that essentially putting the analytics function to work, that you actually are a partner with your hospital over time to really look at the episode of care. Uh, We're ideally suited for that with our analytic capabilities to be able to look at the continuum of care from the community practice to the PCP to the referral to the to the uh, base procedure to post-discharge care. As you know, all the payment frameworks are changing that are uh, episodic in nature. The ACO kind of thing is looking at um, that overall payment uh, construct and hospitals are going to be very challenged. They have a lot of data available to them, but being able to connect the dots, to be able to look at that continuum and to actually be able to assign credit to a change in uh, an outcome that is related to a intervention such as we are going to be doing in orthopedic delivery uh, is, is something we can do with um, with these three companies combined, and it's pretty exciting. So it's a tactical and practical application. Mm-hmm. It's not just doing an analysis of data. Sure, so. sure. Makes, it, makes a ton of sense. And if, you, if you're listening to this, you're thinking, okay, this all sounds good, but how does it how is it impacting me if I'm in the you know if I'm in the medical device space? And and, yeah. and the reason I wanted to, to have you guys on is because, uh, I mean, you're, you're servicing hospitals, and we're certainly going to get into to more of the the more of the challenges that you're seeing, um, you know, at the at the hospital level. But 
if you're if you're in medical devices anymore, you you realize that you know it's an incredibly competitive space. Your margins are most likely shrinking. You really really need to learn how to to, to partner, learn how to partner with these hospitals, your customers, especially as as more hospitals acquire physician practices. Learn you better understand your customers, what they're facing, and how you can best you know help them and partner with them uh, moving forward other than just simply reducing price. So um, excited mm-hmm. to kind of cover that in a little bit more detail. But, but Lars, I, let, let's start out with some of the, some of the, uh, the, 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 um, the challenges, the problems that, that you see hospitals uh, are facing in today's environment. You touched on one of those in big data, but let, let's cover some of, those, some, some of the other challenges and then mm-hmm. also then talk a little bit about the unique service offerings that you know, um, the you know, Interline provides. So big data, do you, on that note, you already mentioned that challenge, but in regards to big data, is it just simply too much information or is it how, how, how do we apply all of this information in order to help reduce costs and improve quality, quality of care? You know, I, I, think, I think, Scott, that, that the issue of data is, is, it pertains to how does the hospital answer to the challenges that they're faced with right now. Fundamentally, though, um, the, the wake-up call for, for hospitals and providers is that um, <clears throat> they're seeing these two, these two developments that are, that are putting them in a pinch. So um, we, we all know that reimbursement is going down, and the hospitals are experiencing this in individual treatment areas, and they're seeing that they, they can just not keep going along doing the same things as they have been doing. Their systems are not are not built for it. At the same time, from the other side, uh, comes um, increased uh, enrollment um, uh, in, in, in federal health care programs um, and increasing uh, patient population in general. That's certainly the, 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 the case in, in, uh, in major joint um, replacement. And between these two things, more customers coming to the shop and less money coming in, um, um, uh, uh, from reimbursement short sources to cover it is is revealing, I think, to hospitals and providers that their systems are not optimized for uh, delivering these services in an efficient manner. And I'm not saying anything other than what the hospital would say themselves. Um, so the, the real problem for, for them, <clears throat> and, and they'll provide great color to that as well, they did, they have been, and we've talking with them about it, um, is that, that they're, they're sort of siloed in the way that they look at um, how do we bring patients through these processes in an, an efficient and, and high-quality manner? Um, and there is no, um, there's no, there's a lack of, of, of transparency and there's a lack of control of that process. Um, so what the hospitals are looking for to get to what you're asking about is how do we leverage information about what takes place? In other words, what devices are being used? How are we incurring costs? Where is it that quality is being impacted? All that data, which exists uh, in overabundance at the hospital. How do we organize and utilize that in an efficient manner, uh, which is not very academic, by the way, Scott. It's just a matter of making sure that data is being used for the specific purpose of making decisions and not just sort of sitting there or being available um, with, without, without the purpose of optimizing existing processes. And that's, 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 I think, in a short way, what the problem is as experienced by hospitals and also the role in data in terms of, of, of answering that challenge or, or solving that problem. Got it. Does that make sense? No, it doesn't. I loved your, I loved your analogy of, of more customers coming to the shop, but uh, a de- decreased amount of money coming, uh, coming in, into, the, uh, into the cash register, I guess. I'm kind of paraphrasing there a little bit, but that's a great analogy. Were, were you going to add something there, Randall? 
No, it's just that manufacturers are going to be really challenged. There's no question about it to differentiate, you know, their their product in this environment. And you know, again, the one that can that can really show that it's going to make an impact somewhere on cost and quality. It's um, those are the ones that are going to win as usual. So. Even in, in this model, I think the distinction that we have is the first, you know, the first assists that are actually going to be um, staffing the procedures, and that's going to be important to have that um, kind of opportunity again to show how the technology can work or not in an improved manner, you know, with the the right um, um, people within the you know perioperative event too. Mm-hmm. So. Combina- uh, the combination of the two is going to be, you know, win-win. Got it. And and when you look at those those two components, cost and quality, and then using hopefully data and, and analytics to help to, to help learn, you know, create more efficiencies, I guess, and and understand what's going on to help fix some of these pro- problems. Is one do you think more important than the other uh, from the, in in terms of the view of, of the uh, you know, the hospital cost versus quality? That's a very good question. I, again, because of the, the payment model now, that it's a risk-sharing model, mm-hmm. that there's going to be a, a greater emphasis on quality metrics and how those are captured and which ones are going to be driving the payment um, opportunities. So, And it's going to be a shared model between you know the provider, the payer, and the physician. So that dynamic is going to clearly be driven by, you know, quality outcomes. There's no question about that in my, in my mind. Um, so it'll, but, you know, which, which quality metric is going to be the most important in the orthopedic space and for those procedures uh, and how, again, the products that are used during that procedure are going to be important as well as the follow-up and, and the other variables that all contribute to a quality patient outcome. So Scott, let me let me supplement there a little bit, and at, at, at sort of a, a different level here, to, that you, you're 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 putting it to the test here, cost versus quality. I think the real situation for hospitals, as well as for American healthcare in general, is that we never want to be in a situation where we sacrifice quality for the ability to treat uh, the numbers of patients, right? So right. so there so and, and that's the challenge for healthcare. It's the challenge for hospitals. They don't want to stop admitting patients in the front door. And they also don't want to sacrifice quality. So how do you achieve both at the same time? How do you achieve volume and how do you sustain quality? It sounds like a trade-off, but the fact is neither the hospital nor our healthcare system in general should ever have to make that choice. Sure. So, so that's where, and that's where the key, so how do you avoid that trade-off? You avoid that trade-off by looking at where do you have inefficiencies in the delivery system? And is there a way on a global scale, given what Randall is talking about in terms of different New reimbursement um, practices, as well as new hospital models, including uh, ACOs and increasing physician-owned um, situations with hospitals. How do you accomplish that, right? And, and yeah. it's so it's a and it's that's a political discussion. It's a very real thing for the hospital. It's a very real thing for the surgeon. But I also think it's a very real thing for all of us that are part of American healthcare. We don't want to make that trade-off. So yep. so the, the injection point for us all to discuss is: Are there inefficiencies in the system, and if such? How can we identify them and, and, and remedy them? And then on a very practical note, we, we've tried to be very practical about it in terms of designing the offering that Intraline is coming out with. 
Reynolds already spoken to, you know, what some of the, compo- the components of our solution to that, to that, um, that catch 22, what, how that looks. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. sorry. The, the, um, to summarize very briefly the intraline model that we haven't really articulated yet, the first is the analytics platform. The second is what's called intelligent care design, which is a human factors engineering, really looking at how the patient moves through the system and capturing, you know, sort of also some inefficiencies associated with that. The third, you know, element of this is the intraoperative uh, first, first assist uh, staff that would be working with, with the hospital as well. And then, you know, the analytics platform sort of wraps around all of this to capture those things along the way. But the, in, the, the intelligent care design, this is a, you know, looking at, you know, Six Sigma is, can sometimes be overused, but uh-huh. it's that same kind of uh, process of really looking at, um, you know, efficiencies of movement of patients, uh, again, through the system and where those are most uh, easily impacted for change. Right. So. And I'd like, I'd, like, I'd like you to go into the, those three kind of categories that you just mentioned, the um, uh, advanced analytics, intelligent care design, and the um, kind of the, the, sur- the surgical first assistant, I think is what you call it. I want to I I get into that, but I love the idea that you brought, Lars, that you brought up that, that the trade-off cost versus quality, because the bottom line is, is, in a sense, the, the entire, uh, you know, American... Um, all, everyone who, who considers who calls themselves a, a you know American citizen or lives in the United States understands most likely understands the fact that we've got a, a healthcare system that's that's broken. It's 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 too. I mean, it co- everything costs way way too much money. But at the same time, if you have a family member that that you know gets sick or needs needs some sort of surgery or some sort of procedure, you don't want quality to be. Um, um, to kind of take a take a, a a second role or second place next to next to cost at that particular hospital at that particular clinic, so it's a great point, um, and I love the fact that you brought that up. And so, and and this is this provides a perfect transition into what you just mentioned, Randall. In that, um, if I'm a hospital, if I'm sitting in front of you know, if if you're presenting to me at the hospital level. I understand. Okay, we've got we've got these issues, cost and quality, and I, we don't want to make the trade off here at ABC Hospital. What do you suggest? And so, help 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 uh, help me help the audience understand those those three different service those three different service lines uh, that that Interline offers. And if you could provide an example of each of those, that'd be great. Go so Scott, the the, the 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 most immediate impact that a hospital will see right now from Interline services is um, what Randall mentioned before, namely our uh, Surgical First Assist Program or Intraoperative Support Program. Um, through this program, we offer the hospital the ability to take their Surgical First, first Assist um, off their, off their um, payroll, take them off the, the, the cost sheet. Okay. We'll hire them on. We'll, we'll train them. We'll make them equipped to um, perform better value uh, within the intraoperative episode, as Randall was illustrating before. And, I mean, the backdrop from this, and this is unfortunately not a very clean situation, there are tons of different types of practices among hospitals, depending on state, depending on what type of hospital, in terms of how they're using surgical first assists. But the bottom line is that the surgical first assist is the surgeon's right-hand helper during the intraoperative episode, where clinical quality is ensured, as well as where procurement decisions are made, utilization decisions are made. So by inserting intraline surgical first assist, there are four different types of effects that the hospital can experience 
immediately out of the gate today, and that is number one, uh, more consistent quality of the clinical support provided um, because of uh, highly trained surgical first assists that come in and, and, and can deliver this quality to the same level every time. Number two is um, um, lower administrative hassle and cost for the hospitals because they no longer hire, they, they no longer have those SSAs, those surgical first assists on staff. That is entirely our, um, our, our issue. Number three is um, increased throughput. Um, so we can actually document that using our surgical first assist reduces the uh, time it takes to, um, to, uh, to go through a surgery procedure in, in, in major joint. Um, and that increased throughput addresses exactly what we are just talking about, namely the increased number of patients. How can you handle that with only so many resources? Um, and then finally, the fourth thing is um, more appropriate utilization decisions about you know, implant type, size, um, disposables involved in the in the surgery and so forth. And that so this those four things are the effects of utilizing intraline surgical first assist, and it's a very very direct impact that our program offers. Um, the advanced analytics and intelligent care design solutions that we're offering as well, um, as you will appreciate, Scott, uh, this is a very new company, so we're still developing those resources, but. Uh, what we know we can um, add to the surgical first assist model is the ability through analytics to have the hospitals better understand how and why they're using their, their resources so that they can go in and pinpoint this is where we can we can create um, um, improvements. And uh, the intelligent care design model, um, as Randall was describing before, is essentially a matter of mapping out the intraoperative process at first, but eventually the entire epi episode of care. Uh, for major joints and later on other things to look at um, how do we optimize the process in terms of uh, human interactions, interactions between humans and, and, and objects, the use of physical space and so forth. Got it. And so the surgical first assist, these are people in the operating room. Are they, are they nurses, mm -hmm. medical assistants, um, nurse, or, you know, physicians assistants? Are, do, they fit, do they fall under a certain umbrella in terms of their licensure? They're typically certified certified physician assistants, but they can be other. They can have other educational um, and degree backgrounds as well. I mean, some of them are are are, are, are physicians themselves. Okay. Um, so, but it, it's it's a it's a well known function. So in the in the in the interoperative space, you have the surgeon and you have the scrub tech, but you usually have the surgical first assist that plays a major role in assisting in assisting the surgeon clinically. Uh, during during the joint implant, but also in terms of everything else that goes into that process, such as utilization decisions and, and so forth. Got it. Okay. And so, in, in, in from the hospital perspective, they're saying, okay, we've got existing staff on board already that you know that's that's in the you know in the OR with our surgeons doing these joint cases or helping helping with these joint cases. I, they, why would they consider the intraline surgical first assist? Is it because this, your, the intraline surgical first assist, that's kind of a hard word, that's kind of, say that three times mm -hmm. in a row, I'm not sure I'd be able to do that. <laughs> Is it because the intraline surgical first assist are, are so specialized and they understand, you know, intelligent care design, analytics, et cetera? So, again, uh, Scott, unfortunately, it, 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 it gets a little bit complicated to discuss what the situation is at hospitals right now because sure. some hospitals use these a lot. Others use them less frequently. For some hospitals, it's a matter of utilizing the, um, the, the surgeon's um, physician assistant that that surgeon is also using in clinic 
and taking them with them into the surgery space. So they're just not they're just not trained at the same level and utilized exclusively for the intraoperative um, space. So it's a less specialized type of function. So what we're trying to say is if you specialize this function, if you create the, the right level of education about things, then you get that higher and more consistent level of quality and you get the ability for the, the, the hospital to make sure that there, there are no um, inefficiencies created in that space. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, that, that does. So, so for example, if a hospital wasn't, didn't have or, or maybe it was somewhat inconsistent in regards to whether, whether or not they included surgical first assists in their joint cases currently, they, they, could, they could consider bringing on the intraline team in order, to, in order to help establish whether or not, you know, maybe there's things that their, their surgeons are doing within the case that, are, that could be improved upon in terms of quality, or maybe there's just different inefficiencies in the case uh, that are leading to increased costs, Is that kind of thing? Am I, am I going, going down the right path there? You, you are, and, and, and some of these things we're, we're still uh, learning how to precisely deliver solutions on. Uh, what remains, though, Scott, is that the surgeon is the one that needs to make the decision in these situations. So this is not about reducing um, the ability of the surgeon to make the right clinical choice in any given situation. That, 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 that needs to reside with the surgeon. Uh, the surgeon will first assist, though, while right now there's a, a somewhat inconsistent um, player in that space, making consistent what that person can provide and also helping the surgeon, empowering the surgeon, if you will, in his or her decision-making, we think will create some, some, some major improvements. Gotcha. Okay. No, that, that makes sense. And, and then, and then um, Randall, you mentioned this earlier, and you did as well, the, the, the idea of intelligent care design and, and kind of tracking patient, a patient through the system. Um, is, the, is there a... I mean, is there something common that you see where, um, where, where, where there's a lot of inefficiencies within, within, you know, at the hospital level or within the healthcare system in terms of the, that kind of that idea of, of, of care, care design? Is there something, I mean, do you see certain trends that, that a lot of, you know, where a lot of hospitals are missing the mark or a lot of, you know, health systems are missing the mark? Well, I think it, it's uh, everyone recognizes, you know, the, the way to look at process imp- improvement in, in some sense um, within the hospital environment. And we're, the fact that we're narrowing our focus on one therapeutic area and one sort of category of patients moving through the system, it's it going to, you know, clearly provide some obvious fixes in the system, mm-hmm. I think, fairly rapidly. And the fact that we're partnering with the hospital, that they really, this is not, as again, going back to that old, in the beginning of the conversation about a consulting model, this is not that. We're really going to be a service partner with them yeah. um, within sharing the risk and being there with them over time. And we're, I think, you know, Friday I was at a, at a meeting uh, with hospital finance people, and they were talking about how this one um, uh, coding uh, type of of requirement was required in over they they tracked it to thirty seven different times for a two day hospital stay where this had to be replicated over and over again. It was completely and utterly redundant hmm. it 's a simple you know example, but looking even about how the history and physical is is conducted, how that patient is then uh, efficiently moved to the OR suite, what, you know, based on their clinical parameters and this kind of thing, is there some way to uh, make that more efficiently 
uh, happen. Mm-hmm. And this is what uh, these people are expert at that uh, is part of our team. They've been doing this for many years in emergency rooms and looking at uh, efficiencies there, and they are now applying all those skills to the orthopedic uh, event in the hospital. And combined with the physician assistants and our analytics function, we'll be able to talk to the patients at, you know, on the patient level to get information on, you know, their satisfaction and outcomes as well as, um, uh, efficiently moving them through and then having the physician assistant in the, uh, operative suite with the surgeon. So all that combined is, um, is a very attractive model to a hospital to look at how they can improve their services. Right, right, and it's and it's easy to use the word you know part, partner with a hospital, but in in a sense, yeah. and, and without without uh, without knowing a ton about Interline, it really does seem like it's it's very much a partnership sort of role because it's not like you're presenting this, you know this, uh, you know. 30-some-odd page report on how to best, you know, no. reduce costs and improve quality, and then it's like, yep, here you go, and, and you're off to another hospital to help them try to do the same thing. It's, uh, y- there's definitely a lot of service lines where you're actually playing an active role in, in, in seeing, that, seeing that throughput. Right. And that's, that's, and that's the idea, Scott. No, no, no reports, no products, just solutions. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yep, and so and, and and Lars, you, I mean, with, with your with your experience um, with uh, with Stryker Sustainability Solutions, um, I mean, you, I mean, you've in a sense been doing this for quite some time because you're, I mean, when did Stryker acquire Ascent? Um, uh, end of year two thousand and nine. Okay, and you and you started, uh, you helped build Ascent, correct? Uh, I did not help. Personally, both as Ascent, I was a part of the executive team for the last um, a few years up to the acquisition by Stryker. Gotcha, gotcha. But it, I guess you know my, my point being that you have a uh, you know you have a history of, of kind of of kind of doing this with Ascent and then Stryker and helping helping hospitals re, you know reduce costs. Um, um, our our, heri- our heritage, Scott, is is exactly that, which mm-hmm. is what I was trying to get at at the beginning. Um, we're, we're healthcare entrepreneurs that are looking at how can we make healthcare function better mm-hmm. by challenging some of the assumptions that, that are out there. And I think that just bringing that back to the med tech industry and, and others as well, uh, this is a situation where nobody, nobody that plays a role in healthcare uh, can get away with business as usual. Right. And, and I think the way that we're seeing ourselves are, you know, as, as enablers of that particular development. Randall and her team, as well as uh, the folks that are that are involved in intelligent care design and and the surgical first assist folks are um, are, are are part of this. I think broader team now that are joining together and saying, okay, how can we continue the track of really disrupting practices in healthcare and and enabling hospitals and other key providers in terms of you know getting to the next step. It goes for med tech companies as well, mm-hmm. and you know this Scott better than than anybody. That they also cannot um, survive with business as usual. They also have to, just like the just like the surgeons are today. They, they, the orthopedic surgeons are going to have. They're looking at themselves right now. They're asking. They're asking. So how am I going to do this in the future? Hospitals are looking at. Okay, we can't keep doing things like we have. How are we changing things? And med tech companies um, are, are are faced with the same kind of challenge. So. Yep. Yeah, there's there, there's no doubt, and uh, I, I, I I keep sort of repeating this, but I love the I love the idea that it's just it's not um, what what you guys are doing. It's not just kind of fluffy. Um, I I'm, I think I think you guys have your 
well, you've got you've got graduate graduate work in your past. My point being that it's not fluffy MBA type of stuff. It's actually very practical, very tactical sort of things that you're you're bringing to the table. Yeah. Um, so no, that's uh, that, that's great stuff. Um, we've talked about a lot, and in and and kind of reaching towards a conclusion here. Um, our, one is is there is there something that that we haven't discussed that you'd like to cover? And then two, um, you know, looking looking. Two, three, four, five years—five uh, years, you know, into the future. What do you see? Um, um, where do you see this going? As 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 quality uh, becomes much more important in terms of, of hospitals getting paid and physicians getting paid, um, you know, what what do you see over the over the course of the next several years in healthcare? Well, I'll take the, the. Go ahead, Lars. Go ahead. No, 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 no. You go, Rachel. No, I just—I think to us, this is. It's an essential time for us to be playing uh, at the table together with with our hospital and payer and um, physician partners and the patients as well. I mean, so everybody play a part in what's going to happen next. I, things are being, you know, by 2014, there's going to be a whole change in how, uh, you know, required changes in, in data capture. We're going to go through ICD-10. There's all kinds of things that are going to be happening soon. And this is this is the time to finally make the right reforms that we need for delivery of care um, based on the right principles, which is is about quality care and sharing risk to obtain you know a positive patient outcome. And uh, for me, this is is very exciting. And I think um, you know we're starting with orthopedics, but. I think we can. We are. It's very clear that we can replicate this model in other therapeutic areas. Um, you know, starting with card, cardiology next too. So, mm-hmm. there's. Um, you know, everyone is going to have to play a part in thinking about how to deliver care more efficiently, and this is the time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And go ahead, Lars. Mm-hmm. Well, it's hard to hard to answer that, but Scott, just that you know, with, within the two to three year. Uh, time frame, Intraline is going to become a major player as an enabler in this transitioning process that that both um, you know hospitals and surgeons are going to have to to go through. And I suspect that as as net tech companies and group purchasing organizations and and others also start taking the steps towards real reform, uh, we're all going to be talking about how to enhance efficiencies and how to focus more appropriately on the quality of care as it happens while it's being delivered, um, that, that that will become a vehicle for that that discourse going forward and a, a big part of the solution. Right. Frankly. Yeah, there's there's no doubt that you're sort of uh you're uh you're at the you know, interline is is what it, it appears is that's kind of the beginning beginning of this uh this this wave here. And and it it really I mean it, it really uh comes to a point when you hear um you know, like Omar, the CEO of Medtronic, Omar Ishrak. I mean, he seems very, very vocal about um, about Medtronic's take on on partnering with uh, um, you know with payers, for example, on on medical device development, for example. I mean, that's that that could be an idea worth exploring as well. But I but I, lo- I love the uh, I love the fact that you're so focused on on not only just um, increasing efficiencies and reducing costs, but also um, uh, helping to uh, improve the quality of care as well. So um, let's go ahead. And, let's go ahead and leave. I mean, if you have nothing else to add, we'll go ahead and leave it at that. But but if uh, for those listening that want to learn more about Intraline and what you folks bring to the table, where would you direct? Uh, where would you direct them? They should go to our website www.intraline.com. 
Gotcha. That's I N T R A L I G N dot com. Correct. Yes. Correct. Got, got it. And and this is kind of a side. This is kind of a side note. But for those listening that want, you you two are uh, have incredibly impressive backgrounds. You've been involved with healthcare for such a long time. But for those listening that want to that want to like maybe just get a better I- idea of. You know, because most of the most of my audience listening is, uh, you know, are people you know actively involved in the in the med- in the in the med tech or medical device world. But for those listening that want to get a better idea, maybe a little sampling of, um, uh, 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 want to learn more about about healthcare, about you know, like you mentioned, and you know, um, intelligent care design, the idea of a, you know where a patient goes from beginning to end, that kind of thing. Is there are there any resources that that either of you would recommend? Mm-hmm. Oh, geez. <laughs> like Specifically for intelligent care design, Scott? Or? Well, well, just anything in general, you know, um, that, that, you know, for those listening that, uh, I, and the reason I asked that question is, you know, 10 plus years ago when I first got in, into the device space, it, you know, resources or, or even, even uh, just learning more about service, service offerings that, that, you know, a company like Intraline offers, that would have been extremely helpful to be, you know, as, as, mm-hmm. you know, as, as a, you know, as in a, you know, sales and marketing role within a medical device company, just learn more about what, what a hospital goes through and, and what, you know, the, the, what the patient life cycle looks like uh, within a healthcare system, that kind of thing. So, um, I'm not sure if anything comes comes to mind, but I uh, just well, just thought I'd throw that question out. So, Scott, I think that the reason why we're at a disadvantage here is that the pieces that we have put together uh, to form this particular solution are at the at the forefront of what is being done in healthcare. Mm-hmm. So there are very there are very few documented um, resource banks out there that can inform anybody um, specifically about combined human factor and six sigma process development processes. It, yep. It's it's what we're trying, we're trying to look at a sector that is um, dissatisfied with um, solutions that they have been served up. And in terms of a resource bank, that's what a resource bank will show you, right? Mm-hmm. Those things that have been provided for healthcare in the past. And so that's why that's why we're a little bit at a disadvantage. I can encourage anybody listening though to to look at when you're you're, you're finding resources that speak about process improvement as well as, as uh, utilization of analytics and and support in the operating room, keep asking the same question, namely, are you getting substantial and sustainable results from this? Mm-hmm. In other words, stealing your words, Scott, is there any fluff in this, right? And, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and assess your sources based on that. Got it. And I have to say, I'm going to give a really, really wonkish answer. Um, first, I, I think health fairs, is still sort of that bellwether of what everyone relies on in terms of a monthly publication or whatever that keeps you, uh, you know, one step above of what the uh, the people that are managing the purse strings read uh-huh. every day and, and then rely on. The other is HFMA um, is also very good, you know, which is the Healthcare Financing Management Association. It gives you the trends and issues associated with hospital management. But then the last is uh, the New York Times and, you know, the Wall Street Journal. It just, you know, <laughs> you know just reading and, and pulling it all together and constantly thinking about where, where things are moving. I mean, that's, that's what it is. And, yep. um, you know, those are the, the places I rely on all the time. And so. what, what was the first one you mentioned, Randall? H. Health affairs. Oh, health affairs. Got uh, it. I thought you said health fairs, and I, I, I oh. health affairs. Got it. Got it. No. 
Cool. No, that no, that's that that's good. That's good stuff. And and Lars, to your point, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it speaks to the idea that Interline and you guys are are like I said before, are kind of uh, on the uh, on the front uh, front side of this 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 wave because the the fact that there isn't really a whole lot of that. I mean, maybe maybe that's an idea for uh, for you guys to have like an exam, you know, a lo- you know a, a resource bank of case studies as as Interline grows. Uh, um, yeah, you know, down down the road, right, but yeah. probably some, probably some. Uh, I, I, ima- I imagine that you'd have some pretty, uh, pretty remarkable case studies to put together. But um, let's go ahead and end it there. I can't thank you enough uh, for coming on, and, and for those listening that didn't catch it the first time, intraline.com, i n t r a l i g n.com. You can go learn learn more, learn more about this young company that's doing some interesting things in the health in the world of healthcare. Um, Lars and Randall, thanks again for uh, for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, Scott. You. And I'll have you hold on the line there. But uh, that's it for now, folks. Um, and again, if you're li- if you're if you're if you've stuck with us the whole way, uh, remember that you can catch all of these MedSider interviews on iTunes as well or Stitcher Radio. Um, just do a search for MedSider, and those will uh, those two options will, will come up. So anyway, thanks uh, thanks so much for uh, for your listening attention. Until the next episode of MedSider, everyone take care.